Hey guys, welcome to the Generation Y Do podcast, where we ask why we are who we are, why we make our life choices, what's going on in the world, and why are we ready for any of it. We are just three best friends asking a simple question about why Generation Y do what their mother tucking do. Ooh. Switching it up. I love when John gets the fancy bits. He always tries to switch it up. A little bit here, a little bit there. I like that you censored your swear word there too. Mother token. I know. I'm getting. That's my New Year's resolution. Sorry, June. <laughs> so guys, how was your week? We are back. It's so good to be back again. I know we did podcast last week and it's nice to be on round two. How was everybody's week? Connor, how was yours? Yeah, really good. I feel like January is very much like, you know, planning, getting back into action and getting used to things. Like, I'm still not used to being at work. Like, it's what? I know. Halfway through the week and I'm just like, I can't be arsed with this anymore. Like, I'm over it. How's Dry Jan going for you? Dry Jan's going really well. Okay. Like, haven't touched alcohol. Haven't had the need. Yes, good. I'm very lucky that there have been no plans made on the weekends because, I, like I said, if we had something to do on a Saturday, I would drink. But to be fair, we went out last Saturday yeah. and we didn't drink. We had a nice dry, big dry weekend out. It was really nice. It was lovely. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was really but nice. But to be fair, we did realise after a while that we were like, not much to be at when you're not sitting in a pub. Honestly, we were sitting, we went to a museum and after the museum we were like, right, so we can't go for pints. It's like, what do we do now? We just like walked the length of breath of London. <laughs> Literally, I've never been to Battersea before, but there you go. <laughs> yeah, we end up in Battersea, fuck's sake. It's crazy. John, how was your week? Um, so damp slash moist January is going pretty okay. Went out mm. Saturday night, had a great time. Essex is an experience. Always is an experience, will always be an experience. It was lovely. In terms of New Year's resolutions, I've squashed a few times, my oh. bum is getting bigger, and I lifted the chair yesterday so I can feel my arms already getting bigger. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm basically there. Next We're 2% through the year, and I'm already well on the way to reaching my target. Very, very proud of you. Next time I come visit, you won't be able to get your ass through the door, am I? Oh. Fingers crossed. Thank you. So guys, why are we here today? Why are we talking about so as we all know we had a relationships episode at the end of last year with myself and Ben. Nope. Well, okay. He's nope. still he's still gonna be not then. <laughs> and as y'all know, we kept pushing that we were gonna have a second part to the relationships episode. So today is gonna to be relationships part two for Legays. 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 We are still a bilingual podcast. We love speaking French here. Legays is French for gays for those of you who didn't know. <laughs> For those who are not bilingual, I'm just, you know, we're educating. Educating. Yes. So this week we're going to do a quick episode, well not a quick episode, on gay <laughs> relationships. So yes. it's going to follow in the same vein as the one that we did with Nikki and Ben, mm-hmm. where we talk about um, gay relationships for millennials in this yes. day and age. And then we're also going to have a little Q&A section mm-hmm. with a real life gay couple. Yeah, I've never met one. So this <laughs> is very exciting for me. Very exciting, very informative. And you actually know this gay couple, my listeners at home who are listening oh to these headphones. Oh my god, who is it? I know. We have a confession to make. We do? Yeah. But what? We haven't been completely honest with you. We haven't? No, we haven't. No, but what? We haven't. You tell me. I don't know. <gasps> He's still lying, guys. I can't. <laughs> I can't. Right. We're going to start 2020 clean. We're going to break down these barriers. We're going to stop lying to y'all and come out and say that John and I don't like each other very much. <laughs> no, but yes, John and I are in a relationship. What? <laughs> I know, it's finally out there. Oh my god. Wait, are we? Bitch, don't start. Oh god. This is the first time I found out as well as they've been hiding this from me this entire time. I can't believe <laughs> Don't you start with Don't me. you be lying, girl. Don't you fucking I'm sorry start. I was lying to y'all too. I'm so fucking sorry. Forgive me. So we literally hit it because I thought like when we discussed the podcast, we were like, oh, we stay myself and Connor together. And I was like, no, let's just like see how long we don't ever mention it and see how long we can go before people start um, messaging us. And from like, episode six or seven, we're getting a couple of messages saying, are you and Connor like still together? I was genuinely getting people messaging me, friends saying, you and Connor are still together, aren't you? And I was just like, no. Oh my God, did you say no like you broke up? I did no for like 72 hours. Of course he did, he's so dramatic. And then I was like, no, I took it back, I took it back, we are still together. But I was really proud of it. I thought it was kind of funny. And then Connor got a bit upset because I was enjoying it too much. Like, you know? Oh, here we go, here we go. This is when the real drama podcast starts. Now we actually can be mean to each other and unleash the vitriol we feel yes. against each other. This is what a real generation Y <laughs> gay couple looks like. Ugh. I had lots of messages from people who didn't know you guys asking, are they together? Are those together? What's going on? Because you know people sometimes assume it's two gay guys that they're together or whatever. Wrong or right as that is, they do. But people were just wanting to know the tea. Like they were like, those two have to be together. Like that. And I was like, no, like you're not. <laughs> Completely lying. I'm sorry, friends. They actually secretly hate each other. Yeah. No, we do secretly hate each other, but it's been really funny. We're a, we're a trouble. We're a trouble. <laughs> oh my so Connor, any reason why you didn't want to reveal that you guys are in a relationship on the podcast? 
to be honest, I'm just here for the drama. Uh, you know what I mean? Well, we thought it'd be really funny not to do it for the first few episodes. And then a friend said, why haven't you said it? And I was like, oh, just cause. And we kind of just kept it going. And then when we decided we were going to do a relationships episode, it kind of made sense to do the big reveal yeah. on the one where we talk about gay relationships. I think it's good as well to come into a podcast initially um, and identify as yourselves because you can flex who you are as a person on your own identity. I think sometimes if you're a couple, people just pair you together automatically. And yeah. it's hard to sort of find your individual... Indi- it's hard to find your individuality. So I think it was a really good idea, actually. So I know I was saying it for shits and giggles, but in all seriousness, I didn't want to come across as the two of us and Nikki. I want to be... Oh, it's a podcast with three Equal. people, not a couple and Nikki. And it still is a podcast with three people. Um, Absolutely. But yeah, you're right. I didn't want it to be like the third wheel podcast because that's not what we're about. Yeah, that's not what we're here for. We wanted to make sure that the three of us were like equal partners who had yeah. their own opinions and their own voices. And I know you're totally right. People presume that just because you're a couple, you're going to have the same thoughts about everything. And we do most of the time, but... Actually, um, that's completely untrue. Oh, this is just going to be the whole episode of just <laughs> us sniping at each other. I hope you guys are ready because... We're not. It's going to get so much more fun now. So much more fun. Um, a little precursor before we speak. Even though we are talking about, um, you know, homosexual relationships, the LGBTQ plus community and all of that, I want to make it very, very clear that myself and Connor are still white males. We still have male privilege. We still have white privilege. I am not speaking on behalf of female members of the LGBT plus community. I'm not speaking on trans. I'm not um, members of the community. I'm not speaking on behalf of anyone, people of color, anything like that. I'm speaking very much on our own experiences. Exactly. And they're very different to other people who are in the community. Hopefully you can relate in some ways. Otherwise you will not. Completely agree. This is literally... Me and John are going to talk about our relationship, but we're also going to talk about it from, like, you know, the point of view of a gay white man in 2019. Or 2020! Ooh! Ooh. Um, but yeah, so that's just kind of like a quick precursor on that. Um, so, like we said earlier, this episode is going to follow in the same vein as Nikki and Ben's did. We're going to talk a little bit about relationships in general. We're going to talk about um, what gay relationships look like in this day and age for millennials. We're going to talk a little bit about how we met and how the gays meet each other. We're definitely going to touch on Grindr and the apps later. Mm-hmm. So look out for that. Sponsor us. Spon- oh my God, imagine being sponsored by Grindr. Please. So I'm going to slide into those DMs pretty soon, I think. I think you have to. Yeah. I think you have to. Um, but yeah, so they're going to be the things we're going to do. We're going to talk about some other topics like marriage, kids, um, all that kind of thing. And then we might touch on a few kind of wider things about homophobia and discrimination, etc., etc. Yeah, of course. And like last time, uh, the boys prepared some questions for me and Ben to answer. So we have Ben here in spirit. Ben is so sad he couldn't be here, but he was dying to ask the boys a couple questions. One of them is quite funny, actually. You haven't heard these yet. No, so I haven't heard boring. these. I can, only, I can only expect from Ben it's going to be funny. Um, but he has kindly pre-recorded these. So if it works, I'll play them through the mic. If not, we can just edit them in or whatever. But he will be making a ghostly appearance on the podcast. Yeah, we missed Ben. But yeah, as you said, it will follow the same sort of thread. Because I think what's important is that we discuss Generation Y topics like marriage and dating and all of those things because we all go through the exact same things but we may do them differently because we are of a different sexual orientation and we live different lives because of that etc so i think it's really important yeah i mean the concept is the same it's just we probably live them differently due to our sexuality and it's nice to see both sides of it exactly because we talked a lot about how millennial relationships have changed so i think it's nice to put that kind of queer element into it absolutely So guys, the same way we did last time, let's remind ourselves of what a relationship actually is. According to the dictionary, relationship is defined as the way in which two or more people or things are connected or the state of being connected. So in our vein, that's going to be talking about how two gays are connected. Okay, physically or mentally, because I'm having an image in my head and I don't know if that's the image you're trying to go for, but I'm not not complaining. I'm not complaining. Stop looking me dead in the eyes. It's terrifying. I love it. (laughs) Okay, so yeah, so that's what the um, definition of a relationship is. So I think it'd be interesting for us to kind of touch on the fact that, you know, relationships for gay people and queer people um, are a lot different. And we have the opportunity to do that by virtue of being gay. Mm -hmm. Um, I was actually thinking about this the other day, and I think it's quite nice that we get to redefine ourselves in a way because... Like we talked about in your episode, there is this idea that in a relationship you have to meet someone, get engaged, get married, have kids, do the whole house, all that kind of stuff. And you guys talked about how you switched it up, being millennials, you don't have to follow that mindset, you don't have to follow that journey, and you can figure it out for yourself. Mm-hmm. And I completely agree, we're all millennials, so we get that too. But I feel like as a gay person, there's like an added element of wanting to break away from like, you know, the heteronormative idea of yeah. what a relationship is. And 
for me, it's nice that I don't have to worry about like, you know, going to a church and getting married because, you know, God hates me. Um, and we can, we can do that ourselves. And there's so many other queer people in the world that get to get married or create a new family for themselves because they might not come from the best family. So yeah. getting married might be an opportunity for them to create a new family of people that they love. We touched on this a little bit last week when we were talking about how we changed over the decade and we spoke about the metamorphosis that gay you guys went through. I'm, I'm not going to say all gay people, but that you guys mentioned you went through mm -hmm. because you were not happy with, as you said, the heteronormative ways that you lived because you can't couldn't really relate to them or you knew that. Um, yeah, so it's a very interesting concept which you brought up there because um, I came across a tweet the other day. I think it really relates to what you just said, something we kind of touched on on last week's podcast. And it says, gay culture is being a teenager when you're 30 because your teenage years were not yours to live. Wow, that's actually heartbreaking a little bit. I know, but it's totally true. Yeah, no, it's, it's really, really profound. But at the same time, it's given you a renaissance almost when you get to your 30s or whatever, whereas you can live the life that you want to live. And it's probably, I'm just projecting now, but I'd say a lot of people maybe look back in their teen years and think, God, I would have done things differently now that I'm 30. So maybe you make better choices when you go through this sort of change and you're older to make these choices and how you want to live your life as a gay man. Is that fair to say or is that a stupid observation? First of all, I'm not 30. Uh, true, <laughs> so true, true, true. take a real big so step I'm back. But yeah, I, I totally know what you mean. But it's one of those things where like, you know, hindsight's 2020. Yeah, like, you know, if I could have gone back and changed it. And I don't think I would have. I'm quite happy with how my life turned out and the way things went. Because if I had experienced things, I experienced, if I didn't experience those things when I was a teenager, it wouldn't have made me the person I am today. So I wouldn't have wanted anything to be any different. You know That's not I mean? true. I kind of view that as teenagers um, make stupid decisions because they don't have life experience. And I feel like as gay people most of the time we don't get life experience in our teenage years we're not able to live it so unfortunately we make stupid mistakes in our 20s where we should be thinking a little bit more to head to saving and a long-term relationship in some cases for us we think right we're a i need to now do that stage of making those stupid errors and falling in love when i shouldn't be falling in love and things like that so we're a little bit more behind in that case for certain people yeah i agree with that i guess like, as societal standards go yes exactly yeah yeah uh, quick stats to start off this lovely podcast. Miss Statsy's back. Yes. Can we get like a soundboard and have like a sound every time Miss Statsy appears? Oh, I like all of those. I don't think I can do them though. Okay. <laughs> That's okay. I'll, I'll, um, I'll figure it out. Just speaking on being young and gay and being uh, a young adult and a teenager and gay. Enlighten us, darling. So Generation Z, Generation Z, the ones below us, are sort of changing the way, I know we're Generation Y, the podcast, but they sort of change the way in how comfortable they are with their sexuality compared to our generation. Mm -hmm. So in a recent study, only two thirds of Generation Z identified solely as heterosexual. So one third identified either as gay, as transgender, as non-binary, as any member of LGBTQ plus or had homosexual tendencies that didn't conform themselves to the label of heterosexuality. One third is a huge percentage and it's such a lovely thing to see that people are that young, mm. confident and happy with yeah. who they were. An opportunity or something that maybe generation wise weren't as comfortable doing at their at that age no i completely agree with that and i think especially now in this age of like you know social media and television and all of that there's a huge representation of queer people and queer culture in the media and everything and for our generation we didn't have that representation on tv growing up like you know when i was 11 or 12 i wasn't in any way shape or form if i saw something gay i'd freaking run if something gay happened on tv or it happened in real life it was shunned or like that's weird or what the fuck like you don't talk about that mm. so for us it wasn't something that was celebrated whereas now when you see it on like i think like we said last week every tv show now has like an lgbt storyline like because we do exist and mm. i think that representation as you can see from the stats makes people more comfortable and i hopefully in a couple more generations it won't even have been a question at all exactly i like to think that if gen z is one in is one is the is the third mm. i think the generation that come after gen z will realize you know there's so much more media showing um queer culture there's so many more people open about it and hopefully there'll be less stigma as you go on generation by generation just even to if i bring it back to like my own relationship sorry look at me heterosexual wow. storming hijacking <laughs> our episode uh, no but i talk about when we have kids and we think you know there's a strong possibility that one of our children or two of our children whatever is going to be gay mm. and we're very conscious now of when i have a child not to 
put a gender on them or not to put a sexuality on them and not do things like, oh, do you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend in school and all those sort of things that you think yeah. are completely harmless, but things that people are more aware of now. Yeah. So just, it is a, it's a better environment for growing up, I think. It's just like nuances, isn't yeah. it? Like you say, that like, you have a boyfriend, you have mm. a girlfriend, change it like, oh, are you seeing somebody? Yeah. Don't just automatically assume because then that puts that person in the stage of like, Ooh, I don't know if I want to talk about this, mm-hmm. so I reveal this. But if you keep it open, the person thinks, okay, maybe I can come forward to you. Mm-hmm. It's just it's smaller nuances that I would have loved to have heard when I was a teenager. Yeah, 100%. So guys, let's bring it back to how gay relationships look for generation wise in twenty twenty. Oh. Yeah, sorry, I have uh, twenty nineteen in the brief, it's twenty twenty, <laughs> my bad. It's fine, you saw two thousand and late. I mean brief, I mean we totally do this off the cuff. Yeah. Oh. Uh you guys have revealed that y'all are together. Yes. I feel like oh. such like an influencer now. Oh it my is, goodness. it's like an exclusive. I feel like saying tonight, Matthew. Tonight, tonight, Matthew and Stars in the Rise. I'll reveal myself as part of a homosexual couple. It's <laughs> like a big Dolly Parton wig, and then obviously. So, how long have you guys been together? Oh, I'll start then. Uh, oh God, we normally fight over this. Um, so we've been together three and a half, just over three and a half years now. Okay, so a long time. Yeah, a fair bit of time, especially yeah. in the gear world, because I think in the gear world, the relationship lasts like a minute. You know what I mean? So the fact that we're together three and a half, especially when we've been to like gay bars or things together and people are like a drag show and the drag queen's like, oh, how long have you been together? And we say three and a half years. They're a bit like, oh crap, you guys are like in it for the long haul. And we're like, oh, I guess, yeah. Well, I think that's a bit of a stereotype. I think it depends on the person. Some people like being in a long-term relationship. Some people don't. I don't think that matters about their sexuality. I think it's just them as a person. No, totally agree with that. But then it kind of does stem back to the conversation we had a few minutes ago where we're running through like living our 16-year-old fantasies in our mid-20s. So people in our age sometimes are still having shorter relationships. And that's totally fine. But like, yeah, so when we say it, they're a bit like, oh, okay, you're at that stage. You guys live together, right? Well, yes, Yes. we do. Okay, so we've been recording in their house this entire time. I was going to say, Vicky, we've recorded in our flat together this entire time. Well, we got to let people know. It's not visuals here. We have to say that you live together, right? Yeah, so yeah, John and I live together. Uh, We've Mm -hmm. lived together for, God, I don't even know now. Um, So for a year and a half. A year and a half. Yes, a year and a half. Um, So two years in July. Yeah, that's right. That's when the lease is up. And the relationship ends. And the relationship ends. <laughs> I literally just need him for the lease and then I'm out of here. So I'm interested to know what the dynamic is between two men in a gay relationship. Do gender roles apply to your relationship? So it's probably the most freeing aspect. There's no expectations of being male, no expectations of females. You know, there's no expectation of, you know, who's going to lead the dancing? Who's going to do the cooking? Who's going to do the laundry? Mm. We do it ourselves. Can I just chime in there and say I do all three? Fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we actually do, we share everything. Well, it depends. I mean, some weekend I'll do it all, some weekend he'll do it all. But it's split 50-50 and that's an equal thing that we do. Even things like when we first started dating, we split the bill 50-50. There was no expectation of the man going mm. to pay for the first date. Oh God, I never so that. it's just little things like that are quite freeing. And there's no expectation in that sense, which I love. I love that too. And I think it might differ from couple to couple, obviously, mm. and gay relationship to gay relationship. But I know for me and John, we're very much like on the same level when it comes to stuff like this. And we didn't come into the relationship with any preset mind of what a relationship looks like. Because for me, this is one of the only relationships that I've had. This is like my third if you could call them serious relationships, but if not my first proper, like longer than mm-hmm. six months, so longer than three months relationship. So well. I know, I think I've kind of like, you know, gotten with them and then shit them in the But yeah, we didn't come in with any ideas of like, you know, this is what a man should do or what a gay relationship should look like. We've kind of come in as two individuals and built what we think the relationship should look like ourselves. Yeah, it was, it's freeing. And unfortunately there is still questions such as, as oh who's the woman in the relationship yeah. from mostly from straight people because they under because their dynamic is male and female mm-hmm. so when they look at a gay relationship whether it be both males or both females they want the, their notion is one has to be male one has to be female one has to be the stronger dominant one one has to be the weaker meek type but i think that's because when you look at something new you can only relate it to what you understand and what you are a part of so i feel like for straight relationships or straight couples who come to us and say who's the man who's the woman or whatever they can only say that because they can't understand something that isn't what they're used to, if that makes sense. And that's not everyone. I know you're here and you're not that type of person yeah. at all. But the kind of people who ask those questions to us, that's their mindset. They can't break out of that, Fair enough. Yeah. I guess it's they have a traditional mindset. Where exactly. I just, I, it's bizarre to me. I don't think it's... I think it's ignorant, but whatever. But that's why we're friends. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but even in the gay world, one of the most, most common questions to ask is who's the top and who's the bottom? Because if you're at the top, you're the male. If you're at the bottom, you're the female. Yeah, that's, yeah. The, that's the notion that people have. That's the mindset that people have. So even in the gay world, they ask you those kind of questions because they want to know, again, who's mm-hmm. the masculine figure in the relationship and who is the feminine figure in the relationship. So even in the gay world, 
as you say, they take these preconceived notions that they see because they're probably, you know, they're growing up with like a mother and a father, aunts, mm. uncles, all media they saw. So even gay people who grow up in that kind of heteronormative world, they try and associate associate that with the gay world. Yeah, you're either the queer one world. or the other. Yeah, which is a shame. Something, something that I want to break as much as possible. Absolutely, you're right. I also think that certain type of straight people have like a sick obsession with the intimate details of gay people's sex life oh my god thank like, you why yes. so asking the top and bottom thing is like bizarre to me can you imagine if you turned around to me tomorrow and was like how do you and your boyfriend have sex that's As if I would, what you're and people ask i'll say straight people but anybody ask i find ask um people of the lgbtq plus community these questions when they see them like for the first time or on an idea mm. or like intimate what is that's completely overstepping the line and it's almost like you're uh what you have is so not normal it's like on display. show or yeah. on display and it's mm. okay to talk about it because it's so weird and it's so it's not a nice attitude to have but it's not just straight people we were actually at a party quite recently um where a person a gay person asked like you know immediately without knowing it's more like who's the top who's the bottom so it's not necessarily just a straight thing like you know it's just a question that people ask and i feel like people need to take a step back yeah but i do believe it comes down to because once you know who's top and who's the bottom they believe that oh okay and i get the dynamic of the relationship you mentioned dynamic i feel like the dynamic that you just spoke about is you guys sort of do things equally you're a partnership regardless of your partnership regardless of who you are yeah so yes yeah um how do you because also on the vein of that i think that you two are quite confident and you're very happy in yourselves and you're not afraid to present your relationship to the rest of the world like everybody should how do you guys feel about that do you think you that's true that's exactly what you do do you think you hold back do you how do you feel about that um i think if you asked me this question five years ago, it'll be a different answer. So well, I'm gonna in your answer relationship right... with Connor now. Yeah, so right now. So I would view it as a journey. In your teenage years, you're in a box, you're in the closet, you're terrified, you don't want to come out. Then you come out in your late teenage years and you are just flaming and you want every single mm-hmm. person to know, which is perfectly fine, and you're over the top. And you know you're what? Excited. Let your freak flag fly. You know, and be as over the top, as gay, as camp, as feminine, as everything you want to be because you need because you've been forced in the closet for so yeah. long, you need those years to grow and box. express yourself. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And you raise a little bit like, you know, I'm gay, I'm gay, I'm gay, I'm her gay friend, I'm her gay friend. <laughs> Hi, my name is gay. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. Which is absolutely fine. I mean, I know I did that. Oh, same. I was yeah. I was a torture in college. <laughs> yeah, so I presented myself very strongly. And then kind of the order you get up, you kind of take a step back and not in the sense of like you're less confident you just kind of realize okay i've got that out of my system i've expressed myself i've done everything i had to say i've enjoyed myself i'm now going to take a step back and not be as out there with this so i think there's now a quiet confidence in my age now i think there's also a little bit of like maybe five years ago i'd be like i'm going to hold my boyfriend's hand in the middle of this field where there is people who are probably going to stop because i don't care I am a little bit more old and a little bit more like, okay, I don't need to pick a fight. I will hold my boyfriend's hand in public all the time. We hug, we kiss everywhere. Um, not everywhere. Not everywhere, but we are, <laughs> we are a little more conscious. Yes, yes. I, I, I would agree with that. I think for me personally, like now in my relationship with John, I'm very comfortable um, holding hands and like, you know, touchy-feely and all that kind of stuff, but also kind of um, expressing my gayness, mm. if, if that makes sense. Like, mm. I don't mind. I'm, if, if you've met me in real life, you know I'm quite feminine. I'm a bit camp. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not super mask, bro for bro, you know what I mean? I would never say that about you. <laughs> no, seriously, yeah. I, I would never say that about you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Before my relationship with John, because as I said, this is one of my first kind of like, you know, serious relationships, if not like the only one, I would be quite hesitant to be a bit more flamboyant out mm-hmm. there. And I think that's all gay people have that. And we'll talk about that later, like, you know, kind of not wanting to present yourself too much as gay for fear of retribution or people hitting you or whatever the fuck it might be. But I think over my relationship, I've grown quite confident in who I am as a gay person mm-hmm. and being able to express myself. Like, I don't worry about holding hands, which I used to. I don't worry about kissing in public, which I used to. There is still that little bit of like, huh, because, you know, people are dicks. Mm. But um, yeah, I'm much more comfortable in my sexuality and I'm much more comfortable showing off the gay bits of me. That's good. Yeah, well, And you, you helped with that, so thank you. Oh, I'm proud of you, babe. You bullied me into it, but I got there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my fucking hand. <laughs> 
So there is a wonderful survey that's available online. It's a national LGBT survey, um, and this is just a summary report from the 2019 survey. It's really interesting. Some of the facts from it said that, or some of the stats mentioned that more than two thirds of LGBT respondents said they avoided holding hands with a same sex partner for the fear of a negative reaction from others. Mm-hmm. So that's really sad. This survey also has loads of wonderful data you can access. Over 108,000 people participated, making it the largest national survey of LGBT LGBT people in the world today. Oh, lovely. Yeah. Okay. That's amazing. So guys, tell me a little bit about how you met. So this is a Generation Y podcast. Yes. And I felt we met in a very Generation Y way. Yes. What a tongue twister that was. <laughs> um, we met online on the apps on Tinder. Well. Yeah. And that's Tinder, not Grindr. We met on Tinder, and in the gay world, Tinder is like the classy one. And I know for like straight <laughs> couples, they're like Tinder is like what the fuck? Like that's just mean for the ride and this and the other. No, for the gays, Tinder's kind of classy. Grinder is where you like, get your booty. I also think Generation Y was a generation where like all like it, I don't know when did Grinder come into action. Nastasi is is nine. It would have been around when we finished secondary school because I remember using okay, so it, it in college. Okay, so it was just on the cusp of the 2009, last 2000, about 2010ish, yeah. So Generation Y have flourished with the gay dating apps and stuff. I know you met on Tinder, but like in general, this generation have almost solely met each other online. So I think everyone knows about Grinder, and yeah. it's like you know, gay dating app. It's where you can meet up with men who are in your area, that kind of thing or whatever. Um, and I think the reason that is so popular and why it's so synonymous with the gay community is because like we said, like, you know, being gay wasn't readily acceptable in the real world mm. and people would find it hard to, like, you know, meet gays in real life for fear of, like, you know, crap, what if he's not gay and he punches the shit out of me or what if mm. he is gay and he thinks I'm ugly, you know? So shit. there's those kind of things. <laughs> that, that can still happen. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So I think that the fear of doing it or, like, you know, the fear of trying to communicate in real life kind of made these apps, the fact these apps were there made, made it the right choice for that's, people. I never thought that that's yeah. really true. I mean, the closest gay bar to me was growing up was 100 miles away. Dublin. No, in Limerick. Oh, mine is so Dublin. when I turned 18, like I couldn't just walk into that gay bar and go dating. The mm-hmm. only way I could talk to other men, and not like in a ha-ha joking way, as in like, oh, hello, I'm an 18-year-old who has needs. Mm. You know, I am a sexual being. Mm. I want to go out there and explore that. No, I was Jackie, like, I want... I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, like, I was a sexual being. I wanted to explore that. I wasn't just like, oh, I want to meet up and, you know, and have a coffee and get to know the gay people. No, I had needs. I mean, like, all my other friends were able to... Uh, meet those needs around them I couldn't do that so mm. apps are really really helpful for that so I'm very very grateful to them uh, so who messaged you first oh god <sighs> so this wasn't some fucking cute romantic message yes it was it wasn't Connor sent me a message at one minute past 12 at night with a bear waving you're so thirsty now who messages <laughs> it's, it's literally the equivalent of a you up message <laughs> Who messages us at 12 o'clock at night on like on a fucking oh, Wednesday? I wasn't messaging back asking about his fucking day, was I? It was a really cute one. It was a little bear that's like waving like, hello. I mean, you were saying about messaging me like, hey, how are you? I want to get to know you personally. Where are you? Right, look, I'm going to fill you in, right? Because <laughs> once you're done on Grindr, you move to Tinder to have a nosy. So I was doing the swiping and you, I had swiped you because I saw your picture and I still remember that picture. It's really cute. It's one of you in, in, um, in Rome. In Rome, yeah. With yeah. the like, daisy crown. You're pretty cute. Yeah. And I swiped right on him and it automatically opened up the conversation which meant he'd already swiped right on me. So I remember swiping. He doesn't remember swiping on me. Just put that out there. He's saying that. No, no I, I honestly don't. Oh. He honestly doesn't. <laughs> I feel really bad saying that. I genuinely don't. I don't blame you. When you swipe, you swipe, you swipe. The only reason I remember is because the conversation opened. So we opened up and it was about 12 o'clock. Well, it was kind of like, you know, that time of night. So I just sent him a little gift like, hey, what's up? And then from there, we kind of just had a back and forth. You actually sent me a gift back. I did, but not until like the next morning. It was like some stupid avatar um, anime character doing this thing with eyebrows being all like, you know, like, hey, what you up to? You know, that kind of thing. This but it was is like, so Generation Y. Is, yeah. <laughs> but it was a very... A couple of gay bookly chanting each other and up by emojis. Bookly. Plural of the Irish word bookle, which means boy. So basically, all the boys. <laughs> it was about seven in the morning he replied and then obviously I didn't reply until later that evening because I was like ugh can't even be bothered to look at Tinder until I'm horny later on <laughs> <laughs> it's and, true yeah, it's true and then we replied and then I think it was like we only had like one or two messages in and we'd ask like you know what you're interested in and stuff and we talked about it's always sunny in Philadelphia and RuPaul's Drag Race and we just kind of started chatting from there right this bugged me as well because as you all know John is John correct correct so John's name is not John on Tinder because Tinder is connected to your Facebook profile and John has a different name on Facebook because he is a teacher and he can't have like, you know, the kids' parents finding him yeah. and stuff on Facebook. So I was under the impression that his name was something else for a good four days before he went, oh, by the way, my name's John. It was actually a week. 
It was a week, yeah. It was a week. Had you met each other at this stage? No, we were no. still texting. Okay. But I had this idea in my head of who this person was, and I was like, oh, by the way, my name's John. And I was like, ugh. But I remember he kept saying my name over and over again, and I was like, mm, that's little subtle hinting flirting, like when you continue to say the person's name, it's like, oh, I'm interested, I know what your name is. I and he kept that. saying it. That's such a good move. But I was just like, oh my God, like, how do I correct him? How do I oh correct him? God. And then he was like, oh, we should meet up like this Sunday for like a drink or something. Okay, that sounds nice. And just so you know, my name is John. And I remember just like, I love my lunch break. I just like turned my phone on airplane mode and locked it and I had to go teach her for the afternoon. I can't be looking at this. Uh, I can only imagine your reaction when you read this. Yeah, I was like, Jesus Christ. Oh my God. But it was fine. After that, we exchanged mobile numbers and uh, mobile numbers. And then... Uh, <laughs> mobile numbers. Why did that sound really weird? Okay. And then we um, met up for the first time. And John's about to slate me for the next 20 minutes. So, John, over to you. Oh my God, I've never heard this. Wow. Oh, hey, hold not? on, let he me take, let me actually take a sip of me tea. He does it every time he drinks. Right, John, when did we meet? Go on. No, I'm not going to slay slay. You know, it was like at the beginning of May. It was really cute days. He said, oh, meet at seven. Yeah. At the fountain in Piccadilly Circus. So, so I said, oh, okay. I now, I lived out in Essex at this day. A good hour and a half to get to yeah, this place. Yeah, And I was like, yeah, that's fine. He's like, oh, I live in central London. Easy for me. I was like, oh, okay. Zone one, guys. Zone <laughs> one. <laughs> Start with me. Flashback. I get there at quarter to seven because I'm an eager beaver and I was sad of being lonely so I was like oh I'm gonna make an impression it's seven I'm not really getting a message oh I'll be there soon <sighs> quarter past seven half past seven quarter to eight now I did text you you, did. you didn't text me until ten to eight I've been there for over an hour before you said hey I'll be about another half an hour I'm just getting changed from work he said meet at seven what time did you finish work at I would have finished work at six but I worked in Shepherd's Bush why are you an arsehole Right, so, so listen, I'm, I, I'm going to have to go back and check the messages because I have them printed. But oh. I finished work because my whole plan was I was going to meet him after work because it be really, really cute. And then it was about six o'clock when I finished work out in Shepherd's Bush in the Westfield. And I was like, I'm wearing double denim. I look like an absolute Egypt right now. I need to get changed before I do anything. I wear double so, denim all the time. <laughs> <laughs> this is like three or four years ago when it was like, you know, not as cool. But it was my work uniform it was gross. And then I had to go home and just, I decided to go home and change and then meet him there. So I didn't know that John had lived in Essex. I didn't know that it was going to take him that long to get here. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, I probably could have texted him a bit more. But I think it was at that <laughs> point when I was getting changed that I was like, oh, I actually want to go on this date and make it real because I didn't really go on dates. I'm not a daily, I was never a daily kind of guy. Mm. I hadn't been on many dates. So like, I, it took me when I realized that I was actually going on a date. I was like, oh crap, I actually need to make a good impression. And the opposite, I loved dating. I found it really fun. I found it really exciting. I've never had, I've had a few like horror stories but I just, I really enjoyed the concept of dating. So I was, I was excited. I remember saying like, oh, I'm really nervous. And I was like, babes, don't worry. I'll look after you. He used to be so nice. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens when he goes out with you for three yeah, and a half I mean. years. Amen. But our first date was really cute. I quite liked it. We ended up going to a bar and getting McDonald's afterwards. Yeah. So basically we went to <laughs> a bar in Soho that we love. It's really cool. Um, had a few drinks there. It was nice to be gone very well. Yeah. Just because, you know, we weren't going to lie, we love yeah. McDonald's. <laughs> I'm not going to lie and shit house you here and say like, oh, it's like this beautiful Marco Polo restaurant, you know, two Michelin stars. Honey, no, I had like six pints of Heineken, I had a Big Mac afterwards. That you only ate half of. Okay, Jesus. I remember my fucking birthday, but he remember that? He still has the other half. And <laughs> <laughs> was like, it still looks perfectly fine. <laughs> but yeah, it was really cute. And then my favourite part of the story is at the end when we actually went to leave. So I think we went to like, we tried to go to King's Cross for more drinks, but it was like a Monday, so we couldn't Sunday. go anywhere. Sunday, whatever. As we were in the station leaving, um, I was like, okay, bye, it's nice to meet you. And like, you know, that awkward moment of like, do you go for a kiss, kiss, do you go for a hug? Like, sorry. So I kind of was like leaning slowly forward and John just said, okay, thanks, bye. And turned and walked away. And I was like, oh, oh my God. I was like, did I completely read that and turn it wrong? I thought we had a great time. We really hit it off. I was like, uh, this is so awkward. So I kind of turned to walk the other direction and I was walking down and I was a bit like, Oh, that's really sad and then all I could hear behind me is uh hello and I turn around and he's like looking at me he's like so like do I call you or like what and I was oh, like oh yes you can call me and then I smiled the whole way home oh that's so cute yeah that's cute so I'll give you the reason for that so um my new year's resolution was don't kiss until the third date okay that was my thing I was like I'm not gonna do that I said I want to get to know the person I don't want to could we go on a date even with all the dating I've been on, it's always in the back of your head, oh, when are we going to kiss? Not if we're going to kiss, when, when, It's when, always a worry, when, when. right? And it's always a worry, like, are we going to kiss? Are we not going to kiss? Is that going to send a signal? So in the back of my head, I'm like, I'm going to approach, I'm going to do three dates before we kiss. So I know in the back of my head, I'm not going to kiss them. I don't have to worry if it's going to be good or not. I don't have to worry when it's going to happen. I'm not going to feel pressured about if it's not going to happen, feel awful if it's not going to happen. I just put it to the side. 
Mm-hmm. Now, I didn't tell Carlos. this. So by the time we get to the third day, he's a little bit like, what the actual fuck? Would you please just fucking stick your tongue in my mouth? To be fair, I grabbed him, so like, yeah. The second one, he gave me a tiny peck and jumped onto the train and the train doors closed behind him in very dramatic fashion. I was like, the fuck? And then the third time, I was like, right, I'm not having this. I need to have a kiss. Very cute, guys. Very it was cute. very cute. So, Nikki, we have a little game for you. Since you've been so good listening to us speak. It's fine, I do it every week. Exactly. Mm-hmm. We can uh, now play a little game where we're going to give you two apps one is real and one is fake okay and two these are like apps gay dating apps two names of gay dating apps okay correct so okay. one is real and one is fake okay your job is to guess which one is real okay should, do i guess and then give a little reasoning why i think it's real if you want to possibly right. yeah Let's okay so Maybe. the first one is grinder or bender well grinder is real you sure about that yeah, Grindr's real, no? Ding, ding, ding. Yes, well done. I did like, you know, a little bit of a well, warm-up. No, that was the, I mean, we just spoke about it. So I know, was... that was the warm-up question. Okay. That was the warm-up question. Although, Bender's great. <laughs> I know, thank you. I thought it was hilarious. I think it's great. Pit stop or growler? Um, well, isn't growler, like, another name for your nun? <laughs> In some cultures, yes. Um, I think growler's fake. <laughs> what? <laughs> Yeah, Growler is a real app and it's kind of aimed towards the bear community. Oh. Which, if you don't know, is kind of the bigger, hairier, masculine gay man. If I was yes. a gay man, I would be into the bears. Yes, you would. Yes. Well, yeah, you would. Same, I think I'm dating him. <laughs> <laughs> Wolf or Scruff? Um, Scruff is fake, Wolf is real. <clears throat> Scruff and Growler, lads. Scruff, I know, we're dirty bastards. Yeah, Scruff is a gay dating app kind of in a similar vein for kind of like, you know, men. Scruffy men. Scruffy men. Again, I would be on that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and the final one. Okay. Recon or Squirt? Just because the others that I thought were fake have been real, I'm going to say Squirt is real and Recon is fake. You're half right. They're both real. Ah. <laughs> Trick question. Trick question. So Squirt. filthy, lads. You serve. I know, they're absolutely rotten. Square <laughs> is kind of like an online hookup kind of app. Cruising app. Cruising app. Okay, yeah. Cruising. The act of searching about a public place in pursuit of a partner for sex. For the gays, this stems back to when being gay was illegal in most countries and we had to meet up in public locations, such as car parks, public toilets, in order to, you know, be gay. And Recon, which is like, you know, very kink based, where you can find all and everything that you could potentially Amazing. be into. So a massive range there for all of our gay listeners. Massive range. Everyone massive. join up. So um, in the same vein that we did with Nikki and Ben in the previous one, we're going to talk about some like, you know, typical staples of what relationships are for heteronormative couples. And we're going to talk about how we and other gay people kind of perceive these concepts. I think that'll be kind of an interesting thing to talk about. And the first one is marriage. Mm. Ooh, special shout out to gay marriage being allowed in Northern Ireland, mm-hmm. the final predominantly English-speaking country in the world that has finally allowed gay marriage. That's about bloody time. With a few ifs or buts, unfortunately, added on at the last second, but overall, we're happy for the community. Very happy. Um, so we've seen, obviously, lots of progress with Generation Y and same-sex marriage. Obviously, our generation, we have seen in the news over the last decade or so, so many countries coming out legalising same-sex marriage. I've got some stats on same-sex marriage in America. Ooh. So in 2004, Americans opposed same-sex marriage by a margin of 60% to 31%. Based on polling in 2019, it's completely flipped. So a majority of Americans now, 61%, support same-sex marriage, while 31% oppose it. And in line with that, about two-thirds of Protestants, 66%, now also support same-sex marriage. Oh. So we see, obviously, a massive uh, switch, just even between 2004 and 2019, in support of gay marriage, even in religious groups. So that's really good. Yeah, definitely. It's it's a really good thing to see. Like every country, nearly every like you know major English speaking country in the world now, has gay marriage, and it's it's a great thing to see because I think as well. I don't want to get too bogged down in it, but the concept of marriage, everyone's argument against it is that it's steeped in religion and blah 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 blah. But we don't care about the religious aspect to it. The fact that being married, like you know, to someone else, um, the legal rights that that comes with, like you know, the the fact that you are seen as a couple and there's all these tack things and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff that goes with being married. We don't care about the religious stuff. The fact that they're so melted together is so wrong in so many opinions. Like, mm. if you want to have marriage and that's a religious thing, great. But don't give you all the added benefits of everything else. Mm-hmm. That should be something separate then. It just bugs me. Okay, so on that, uh, one of Ben's questions to you guys was actually about marriage. So I'm going to play it on through here and oh. see Ooh, I'm excited. if it works. John and Connor, I wonder, as a gay couple... 
do you get as much pressure from your families to get married as you think a heterosexual a heterosexual couple might do? Ooh. Before you answer, I just want to caveat Ben and I were having dinner when I recorded this. And I was he's about like to munching say. <laughs> <laughs> Jew and when he was doing this. So. This ain't no ASMR podcast. All right. I'm very interested to hear this too. Well, yeah. Okay. So for me personally, I don't. I've never once felt any pressure from my parents to get married at all. Before John, anything like that. Okay. It was never a question of like, when you're going to get married, when you get married, blah, 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 blah. That might be just my parents in general, because my younger sister, who's only a couple of years younger than me, has a boyfriend of seven years. And the question of marriage has never been broached to them by my parents either. Okay. So I just think my parents are just kind of odd in that respect. They just don't give a shit. It's not odd. I think it's good that they're happy for you to make your own decision. Yeah, it's, kind of, it's, it's good. Like, there's no pressure for the marriage thing. I think... Um, I think as well there was definitely the aspect of like, you know, having a gay child, you just presume they won't get married because back in their generation, like, you know, gays, gay was something that, like, you know, didn't talk about or you didn't discuss or wasn't, it wasn't have, around them. Yeah, they didn't have the opportunity to get married. So. Regardless of that, my parents weren't surrounded by gay people. They didn't understand. Like we said earlier, like, if you're not exposed to something, you can't understand it. And my parents, as far as I know, weren't exposed to, like, you know, gay people. They didn't have any gay friends growing up or gay family members. So it was kind of new to them. And I think back in the day, it was very much just like, oh, no, the gays won't get married. But times change, y'all. Um, yeah, no, I agree. I don't feel pressure to get married. It's only since I've met Connor, we're together a certain amount of time that people have actually asked me. And that's a strange thing because, again, gay marriage only passed in Ireland in 2015. Yeah. When I was born in 1991, it was still illegal to be... Well, it was still illegal to carry out homosexual acts in Ireland. And within my lifetime, most of my teenage years, my childhood, most of my early 20s, I wasn't allowed to get married. Mm-hmm. So for us to even sit here and ask me that question, if I feel pressure, um, no, I don't feel pressure. To get married because I never had the opportunity to be pressured into is never an option for me. Mm-hmm. I like to hope that future generations of gay people will feel that pressure and realize it's actually a gift mm-hmm. that the that they're allowed to feel that pressure and think the fact you're allowed to get married is a gift. Yeah, yeah totally. that's actually a really yeah. nice way of looking at it. That's why that's how I perceive it. But in terms of marriage, then what's your kind of personal thoughts on marriage? Do you want to get married? Oh. Is this a proposal? I I am not. Scandal tea, scandal, scandal tea. It was something that has never entertained me or occurred to me. I always, as you said, I always viewed marriage as something seeped in religion. And I was always like, I'm not getting involved in that. When I find someone, our love will be enough. No. Um, But yeah, I guess like the older I get, the concept doesn't totally and utterly disgust me, maybe. I'm going to get a ring, aren't I? Um, there's some interesting statistics from the Office of National Statistics in the UK, which I think might represent what you guys spoke about and how gay people or LGBTQ plus people kind of find themselves later in life. Um, because marriage rates for same-sex couples are generally greater at older ages. Mm-hmm. So there's higher rates recorded between marriage with same-sex couples among men aged 35 years and over. Um, as compared with opposite sex couples getting married at a younger age. So I wonder if that's because they don't find a partner for later in life because they couldn't when they were younger. Whatever. Yeah, like yeah. I potentially to be there. I, 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 I could see that. I, I think that, that links to that tweet I read out about like, you want to, we're living our teenage years in our 20s going up into our 30s. We don't want to settle down. We actually want to live life and experience it and have that sense of freedom and exploration. And in fact, there were really high occurrences of uh, same-sex couples, male couples getting married um, between the years of 44 and 50. So that's even older, yeah. Yeah, so I, yeah I think that's lovely. And I think especially those numbers for the 44 and 50 are probably for those gay couples who have been living yeah. together as partners for so long and never got the chance to get married yeah. because it wasn't there for them. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So yeah, mm-hmm. that's, it's lovely to see. It really is lovely Absolutely. to see. Absolutely. So I guess on the back of same-sex marriage, we've also seen a massive increase in same-sex families. Mm-hmm. Uh, Miss Stassi's back. According to the Office of National Statistics, in 2015, there were 152,000 same-sex couple families living in the UK. In 2019, there was a 53.2% increase. Damn right. Uh, and there were 232,000 recorded same-sex families in the UK. Ooh. Um, first, I'm going to start and asking you guys, is children something that you think about? So I know for me, growing up, I always thought that I was going to get married and have kids. And I think that's like a subconscious thing growing up in Ireland, like, you know, in Catholicism and with the church and stuff like that, growing up thinking that, oh, of course you're going to get married and have kids, but not in an active way. Do you know what I mean? Like it was mm. always in the back of my head, that's what's going to happen. Assumption. You know what I mean? It's an assumption because that's all I've been surrounded by. My parents had kids, all my aunties and uncles were married with kids. Like that's what I grew up with. Um, but I think as I've grown older and like, you know, traveled a bit and got to discover who I am and um, discovered my sexuality and my homosexuality and all that kind of stuff, um, my view on that's changed. I still do think that marriage is in the cards for me. I mm-hmm. kind of like that. 
Um, but kids, not so much. I think I've changed my opinion on that. Okay. You know, because like I said, when I was younger, I was like, kids, definitely, definitely, definitely. But that was just the idea. But once I sat down and thought, do I actually want to like, you know, bring a child in this world or um, adopt a child and give them a better life? Is that something that I want to do? And I think as I'm older, I'm kind of like, I'm not too sure for me. This is a very deep and layered question. Do you think, and this may be a difficult one for you to answer, but do you think that because it's more difficult for a gay man to um, have children, do you think that's maybe shaped why you've changed your opinion on it? No, I don't think so at all. I, if I really want, I think having a kid is one of those things that if you really want it, you'll do it. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like I, even if I was in a straight relationship or whatever, I, if I wanted a kid, I'd go out and like, you know, do it and get a child. I feel like just because it's harder, if I want, if I wanted to have a child, I would do it. Do you mm. know what I mean? Because, but, and, and having a child is hard. You know what I mean? It's mm. not something that like, you know, you get a dog for Christmas. Like this is a child. You're going to either create a child or you're going to help give a child a better life. Like that's a lifelong commitment. You yeah. have to want that. And I'm a firm believer in if you don't want to have a child, do not have one yeah, because you cannot give that child 100% that you could possibly give it. You know what I mean? And if I, and I don't have that 100%, even if that percentage is at 70, I still wouldn't do it. Like, cause I feel like, especially since we have to actively go out there, yeah. you know what I mean? Like it's it can't just happen you, someday. But... It's a process. Mm. Um, I, I wouldn't do it unless I was 100%. Similar to Connor's beginning of his answer, again, growing up was like, oh, I'm going to get married and have kids because all books are out all movies I watched, all TV shows I watched, all ads in newspapers, all ads on radios, all the relationships I see around me were straight people getting married and having children. Mm-hmm. That's all I knew. And then as the older I grew up, I'm coming to a very simple conclusion about children. No. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. It cannot see in the cards for me. And I don't see that changing in the future. Okay. Do you think being a teacher impacted that in any way? Um, no. I suppose I do... I do with kids every single day and I suppose yeah. I have built a, a bond with children and a relationship with children so I guess I have my fix of like the funny stories and like the nice cards and you know the, the hugs are like at the last day of school so I suppose like, I get a little bit of that but I think like you said I just I just know I can't see myself at all once give myself 100% to children and like you said that's not right and it's not fair to children I'm not going to bring a child into my life as a status symbol to say oh look I've achieved everything society expect me to be which is have married and have a child just for everybody else mm. yeah, yeah, yeah I agree and I'm more than happy to be the fabulous gay uncle that just arrives from <laughs> London uncle. and showers the kids with gifts and presents and actually funny and story and their first nagging Nagin is an Irish word for the smallest bottle of vodka that you can buy from an off license so you know it comes in the small the next the next and the later the smallest one is what we would call an agon. No, but I definitely was the first time. <laughs> uh, really funny story. I was at home over Christmas and my friend Catherine has a child, uh, James, and I was pushing the pram and I was being like, you know, super uncle and it was all lovely. And I told her, I was like, nah, I don't want kids. I'm going to be the fabulous uncle who comes home and showers gifts and presents. And she was like, I'm still waiting for the gifts, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> I like, I'm poor. When I'm older and more rich, I'll do it. What do you guys think about, um, and this is not something I believe in, but just to ask you, what do you guys think about people who say uh, same-sex couples shouldn't have children because they are not allowing the child to have equal influence of male and female. Okay, so I'm going to call bullshit and all of that. That Agreed. is completely ridiculous yeah. that a child has to have a male and a female influence. No, that... no, no. A child has to have a male and female influence. It doesn't have to be their parents. I'm going to pull you up on that. Okay, fair enough. That's totally I fair. think a child should have a male and female influence in their life because they learn about men and women. No, I totally agree. Sorry, I But that I can be a granddad, a friend, a uncle, anything. No, yeah. I completely I completely agree. I came from that wrong. For a lot of people, their Sorry, argument I fucking call You went in on me. Trouble. I phrased that wrong, sorry. <laughs> so I feel like the main argument for people who say same sex couples shouldn't have a child is because they don't have like, you know, a female influence in their life or they don't have a male influence in yeah. their life. Should kids have those? Totally, because like, you know, male and female things are everywhere. That's totally fine. Yeah. But I think that's very unfair because there are millions of amazing single parents yes. who are like you know males like dads or mothers or the aunties or guardians or whoever might be that are there and they are raising these children to be exceptional people and it's not fair to say that's just your internalized homophobia spreading itself out and you're just saying stuff that has no basis in fact it's absolutely ridiculous it's true it's just very simple like you know if somebody said to me you can't have children because it won't be like a motherly influence. What happens if that mother dies in childbirth? Absolutely. And then the and the father's a single father. Should the child be taken off him? Mm-hmm. No, he'll have support from his own mother, from female friends around him. They will be able to help him yep. with teenage years and things like that. There is female influences all around us. We have a shit ton of female friends. If, exactly. Just thinking that aloud, you know, that could be an amazing yeah. and f- amazing um, females in their lives, like our mothers and grandmothers and things like that, who will be incredible female influences and all that they need. 
Okay, so since we're on the topic of kids and things like that, I wanted to talk very briefly, because I know this isn't to do with relationships, but um, about how parents teach their kids about um, same-sex couples. I've come across a lot of instances where uh, parents have actively shielded their kids from information about same-sex couples. So, mm -hmm. for example, we've seen all these, like, you know, protests outside schools in Birmingham and things like that, where they don't want kids learning about same-sex oh, couples. Oh, yes. Where I saw this. they shouldn't be acknowledged. And it's happened in my own lifetime when I was younger and things like that. Like, maybe not, like, you know, a child, but, like, I'm 18 or 19. And being gay, being lovely, being loud, like we said earlier, um, and being told by people, like, you know, not to do gay things in front of the kids. And, like, why? Oh, they don't need to learn that yet. Mm. And that always blew my mind because, like, gay people exist just because you do, like... It, they're treating it as if being gay is just about sex and that's what pisses me off because being yeah. gay is about being in love and being with, with people of the same sex, you know what I mean? Like me and John are gay, we're together. Mm. I should be able to hold his hand and do romantic things that aren't sexual, that are just us like, you know, having it's conversations and being cute, just like any other mommy yeah. or daddy or any other male and female couple yeah. were. And parents get awkward with the kids, like they can't see them. It's like, why can't they see that? It's not sexual. I'm not doing anything that a child cannot see, that a child cannot understand. And they always say that like, you know, um, the kids won't understand it. Of course the kids will understand it. But then the parents have to take it to a place of sexuality where they're like, how am I supposed to explain to my kids what you two get up to in your bedroom? Like, you're not supposed you to don't. explain to your kids. You don't mm -hmm. turn around to your kids and say, mommy and daddy are going to bed for a good time. You don't do that. That's not what you talk about. Kids don't give a crap about that stuff. When they get to the ages of like, you know, 10, 11 or whatever age they teach, like, you know, sexual education at school, they should learn about those things. And they will soon, thank you to new laws. Yeah. But I, it really bugs me that like, you know, people think that kids should be shielded from this stuff when they're younger because it's not a sexual thing. It's something that happens. People are real. They should know. That's a really good point and I actually never thought about it that way because if a straight couple were holding, if your auntie and your uncle are holding hands, like you don't have to explain. That's because they're riding. Yeah. I think um, we spoke, I, I mentioned it earlier about people's obsession with gay uh, peoples or gay couples, like sexual relations. Some straight people see gay people as like pests or like pure sexual beings that like they can't control their actions and it's like a wrong sort of thing and they don't see past that and it's not even true it's like don't get me wrong love sex but we're not that <laughs> no but because years ago it was seen as a condition you were diagnosed with a condition like it was, there was something wrong yeah so i think sometimes that uh mindset is still carried on which is awful yeah totally awful well i'm hoping that obviously that our generation can remove that i will say a special shout out to like say like my aunts like younger cousins from the age of like two three four who's that on your phone oh it's my boyfriend connor like my aunt would say that straight away that's his boyfriend connor so nice straight out like that that's just the way it's going to be and the worst thing is you can actually see some people like looking over saying oh why are you doing that or saying that and it was just like well no i mean that's just the way it is you yeah. know i'm literally holding his hand or i'm kissing him on the cheek there's nothing sexual in that it's just no. me it's just me expressing my love towards a person that i love and that you get to do every single day mm. Don't bring it to that place. But I think there is obviously that, that that mentality of you basically you think gay sex is dirty. Yeah, they do. That's, that's what that's what you think you think gay sex is dirty and that you can't you can't remove us from that act and that's a you problem. Please do not force that on your children. Yes, exactly. Like and I'm quite lucky in the same instance like John said, like John came to visit my family um like a, about a year ago or whatever and got to meet my little cousins and they were like, Oh, who's this? And I'm like, Oh, this is John, this is my boyfriend and it was totally fine. It was like cool, you know what I mean? I could see the parents are a bit like oh are we allowed to this but the kids were just like oh yeah that's totally fine yeah, kids, don't, kids don't understand kids don't give a shit man no. and they're like if you tell them about all this stuff when they're younger it's not weird if you hide it from them and then they find it then they're like it's weird do you know what I mean kids learn prejudice they're not born with mm. yes no prejudice idea. is inherited so, you know it's no it's not inherited it's taught prejudice is taught <laughs> but it's one of those like when they first see it, oh, they're going to be confused. Of course they're going to be confused when they see a gay couple for the first time. The only relationship they see is their Mom parents dad, yeah. or their aunts and their uncles, which, you know, 99.999% of the time is going to be male and female. So the first time they see two females or two males holding hands, yes, they are going to be confused because it's something they don't know. But it's your job to educate them and say, oh, just so you know, sometimes two men can love each other and two women can love each other. Mm -hmm. And then the children are saying, oh, okay. And that's it. Boom. All right, guys, we're going to end this off uh, like we did last time. We have some questions prepared for y'all. I'm so scared. Okay, so I'm going to play some that Ben has, my lovely assistant Ben has prepared earlier. Hi, John and Connor. Second question. So there are obvious, the, 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 the obvious discriminations in life that people go through and obviously life is getting better and it gets, but are there still things that maybe other people might not realise that a, a gay couple might go through, such as... Is it harder to rent a room if you're in a, a gay or in a relationship? Is it harder to get a job if you're in a relationship, gay relationship? 
anything that we might not realise that is actually harder as a gay couple. You're going to hear the dinner <laughs> at the end of that. Ding! He's that finished a, it. He's that was eaten. a good one. No, that's a really good question. Um, I think, do you know what the worst part is? There definitely is. And I think for gay people, it's always in the back of your head how your sexuality is influencing the situations around you. Mm. It mightn't be like, you know, I'm thinking of it directly, but I know for me, it's definitely an underlying current of everything that you do. You are aware of how that will come across with your sexuality in a way. Mm. So I think he's totally right. Like if you're booking a hotel room or you're going on a holiday together um, and you're like, oh, like I think me and John went to Grand Canary last year on holidays and we got a hotel. Luckily, we were in a very gay friendly area and it was like totally fine, whatever. But like, I can imagine going up to a hotel room and being like, yeah, that's the two of us and they automatically go to give twin beds or something like that's Probably yeah, something that would happen. Yeah, yeah. I guess I guess there's other things, and even like when you're going for, you know, job interviews and little things like that. It's like you know, do I flick? Like I said last week, do I flick my wrist like this? Do I raise? Do I raise my voice or do I pull it down? You're subconsciously straightening yourself, mm. even though I, I try my very best not to, and I'm very good at not doing it. But you're still subconsciously a little bit like you know how I grab grip the person's hand when I'm shaking their hand, mm. how I hold my wrist, how I speak, how I walk. I do think, again, because we are white male, there is privilege there. I think if we had other people from the queer community, their answer would be much different to ours. Yeah. We, yeah, are, yeah, we yeah. are lucky in that sense. So all, all I can say is I've never turned away from a job because of my sexuality. I've never been turned away from a hotel or anything like that or not been served or anything. No, nothing crazy like that. But there is a, there is the biggest thing for me is you're subconsciously in the back of your head thinking, when I meet a new person, how do I speak to them? Yeah. Do I flick my wrist? How hard do I shake their hand? Do I keep my hands in my pockets? Do I lower my voice? Yeah. Can I speak? You're constantly doing that. And it is slightly exhausting. Yeah. Can you think of any sort of like isolated incidents where you think your sexuality did stop you from going somewhere or doing something that a straight person would have been able to do? I don't think there's any specific instance where I was like, you know, refused for my sexuality or whatever like that. But I do feel like there was definite situations where there was a... Uh, looking down on mm. or a bit of a condescending look or begrudging yes because of how I kind of present myself um I can't think of anything off the top of my head but definitely like you know going to nightclubs in college and stuff like that mm. and coming across a bit more femme or a bit more like you know not typical and glad like you know and yeah definite definite vibes from that and and as well like you know I feel as well growing up like um you kind of butch it up a little bit when you're in your teenage years when you're like you know with the lads or like you know playing PE with the lads or in the changing rooms and stuff because you're always worried that someone's going to pick on you so I think yeah John's right you kind of do are aware of your of your attitude um I have had once like nothing serious I have had once or twice like say go into the toilet you go up to the urinal about five years ago um I came to the bar in a club we went to the toilet he went to the cubicle I went to the urinal and we just kind of chatting and we had a few drinks and obviously the more you drink your inhibitions kind of drop so that's when the wrist goes and the yes and all that kind of stuff and I was kind of just going to the toilet and in the and this guy is beside me and I kind of just looked over at him you know just kind of curious and he just said don't look at my penis like that and I said I'm not looking at your penis like that he goes I know for a fact you are looking at my penis oh. and I said I assure you I would not look at your penis I he can't said, find it he said don't look at my penis again like that that's disgusting you faggot and then he kind of, and he kind of, fit, you know, did the shake and kind of just walked away. And I was really back him. I was looking at your shriveled penis, your prick. And he just walked out. Good but for that's, you. Yeah, but yeah, that's like the yeah. biggest thing I can think off the top of my head right now where people have said awful things to me for no reason at all based on how I present myself. So my one is, you, John, discussed that toxic masculinity exists for you in your life and in the relationships that you've had yeah uh, and Ben expressed how he was interested to know how it is with gay men and in gay relationships I think it's different in that I know what you're trying to say I feel like there's two things involved here with gay relationships one is definitely the toxic masculinity aspect to it whether uh, it probably can be prevalent but I don't know if it is for kind of us but there's also this kind of for gay people especially this internalized homophobia and I think that's one of the bigger problems in, yeah, our, in, okay. in gay relationships, if you know what I mean. So toxic masculinity, I feel like that is a problem because obviously, like, you know, the idea of what a man is supposed to be. I personally don't feel that because I'm feminist shit and I don't have any of these connotations mm. and I, I think John would agree. Well, no, I, I said it like when I was growing up, you know, all my friends around me acted in a certain way. Mm. Why didn't I act in that way? It came a lot from myself. Like, why wasn't I playing football with them? Why wasn't I acting like them? Why wasn't I walking like them? Bigger like them? Had voices like them? Things like that. And mm -hmm. I found it... I, with all comparison, when I was younger, a teenage year, I think I came from a lot of toxic masculinity. 
and I think toxic masculinity is kind of still widespread within the gay community. Mm -hmm. If you look at like, you know, the more masculine men, like, you know, the gym goers, that kind of guy who always look for mask for mask. They don't like femme guys. They don't like this yeah, kind of guy. Yeah, I think that's what Ben was touching on is Yeah, that. I think that's where he was going. That's kind of the toxic masculinity that exists within the gay community that is very prevalent, that is still there. Very. I think for us, we don't feel that because we're not that kind of person, but that is definitely still there. I know a lot of gay people over the years who like won't talk to like gays like us. They would never see, they don't see us as sexual beings. They see us as like, you know, they can't be funny gay that can't be a sexy being the way that a lot of like you know straight guys would see us yeah. they don't see that because they like I want a man's man I want this and the other which to me is absolutely ridiculous like yeah. it's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my entire life and I think that is one thing but as I said earlier there is this kind of idea as well of internalized homophobia that's in the, our community a lot as well and that's to do I think with growing up in a world where you're not allowed to express yourself you're not allowed to be feminine you're not allowed to be gay you're not allowed to be camp and that really hits home and I think John touched it there like you know when we're in secondary school and we'd like you know hide it up and be very quiet and keep to ourselves because we didn't want to express ourselves and I don't know about you but I've been in many relationships or I've been around people where I'll do something that might you know stereotypically gay quite feminine or whatever and people would look at you with the dirty like Connor don't be so over the top or Connor just like stop I still remember like going on a date and with a guy I was in Liverpool and it was a really nice date and everything was going fine it was pissing rain and we had to cross the street and this bus was coming so we ran so I was running ahead of him we crossed the road I turned around I could just see this look in his eye and he was just like God, you run really gay. What? That's what he said to me. I was like, he said, you run. I said, what do you kind of like, oh, you know, you just, I like, you just run really, really gay. You could just see this look in his eye. And I swear to God, like, we went to another bar there for the rest of the day. I could just see the standoffishness from him. I could instantly see, like, right, because I had presented my, myself in a way that was even slightly feminine for the way I fucking ran. Yeah. Um, you could see he was like, no, not for me. I want a man's man. This, ladies and gentlemen, is what we call internalized homophobia. Okay. Which is rooted in toxic Which is rooted in toxic masculinity. Interesting. You know I mean? That's really interesting because that's not something I knew an awful lot about. And it just goes to show as well, in every person that exists, in every label, category, sub, fucking genre, whatever the fuck you want to say, there's prejudice and judgment and, yes. you know. Yeah, prejudice and judgment exists even within gay people in yeah. their own community. It's awful. Do you know it's what I mean? huge. And I, I'm not going to lie, I probably had some of those tendencies. I definitely did have some of those tendencies growing up. And I think the older that I've got and, you know, being exposed to other gay people, getting in a relationship with John, I've, like I said, grown to love myself. Now you love a gay run. Love a gay run. Yes. Here for a gay run. Do you know what I mean? I knocked it out of him. Question. Do you think some of it can just be preference? As to who you're attracted to? Preference mm -hmm. is a dangerous word in the gay community as well. Okay. Because a lot of people say, I don't like black people, or I don't fancy Asian people, or I yeah. don't fancy Latin people. And that's just a preference. Yeah. That's racism. That's racism, 100%. That's racism. I don't yeah. like ice, we're overly camp. That's internal homophobia. Okay. Do you know yeah. what I mean? You are homophobic towards gay people acting femme. Think, think of it if they're not even gay. If they're like, I don't love the, like the way that you're switching your hand, or the way that you walk. That's homophobic. Mm. Do you know what I mean? They don't like people for doing that. They're against people who are doing that. So preference is a very dodgy word in the gay community because of that. Um, and I understand people do have preferences. Some people might fancy mm -hmm. lads who are a bit more masculine. But to actively turn around and say, I will never find a man attractive because he acts femme. I will never find a man attractive for the colour of his skin. I will never find a man attractive for whatever. That is prejudice. That's wrong. It's close-minded as well. It's like, you don't know. Yeah. You're, you're doing yourself a disservice in a way. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I think you could fall madly in love with someone. Yeah. You're, because of your prejudice and and your bias and that's on you those, exactly it's on you uh thank you that got really deep and you covered our questions perfectly so thank you so much i'm going to ask you even more before we go on to the really quick <laughs> ones if anyone has like you know a, a point of view or wants to discuss these questions with us please feel free to get in touch on the socials john and i would be more than happy to take questions because i know Absolutely. a lot of you guys out there might not necessarily be gay or not get a lot of exposure to the gay world or we might be your only exposure to the gay world and we're a very specific kind of people so if you do have any questions or want to challenge us on things or anything we're more than happy to do that so please please get in contact Okay, so who's the cleanest? Me. Mm. I love living with Connor. He's the best person in the world. I love him more than anything in the world. But Connor has this horrible habit where he'll come in and he'll pick up the two remotes from one side of the table and put them to the other side of the table. He'll go up and he'll move the TV three inches this way. He'll go up and he'll move to turn the plant up and it this way. Hang on. And he'll go over and he'll pick up the cloth and he'll dust one half of the table. And about 10 minutes later, I do all the fucking cleaning in this house. It's absolutely ridiculous. But he'll spend three minutes doing five <laughs> menial jobs and then complain about doing all the work in the house. So I think we're both clean. I just think you're a little bit more anal and a little bit more whatever about it. definitely more anal for sure. Who is always late? 
me. Connor. Jesus fucking Christ. Jesus fucking Christ. That from the date, right? <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. I cannot keep to a schedule. Actually, I'm getting much better lately, but yeah. Quick fire. Who's most romantic? Me. Connor. You don't contribute at all to this relationship, obviously. <laughs> Who's the funniest? John. Okay. Who takes the longest to get ready? John. It depends. Okay. Who gets the last word? John. Me. Always. <laughs> I try, but my God. Who takes up the most room in bed? Connor. John. Oh. Don't you dare. You are the worst. The amount of times I've had to push you over to your side of the bed. Connor, when you come over to my side of the bed, I am a caring boyfriend. I'll move you gently, not want to ruin your sleep. You do so much movement and you're fucking snoring as well. Next question before I start. Okay, we'll do one more. Okay. Who's the better cook? Me. Well, you can put things in the oven for longer and nicer. Yeah, I guess. Okay, we're going to end it now because you're about to have a domestic. <laughs> Um, thank you guys for sharing it was so lovely and it was so nice for me to learn from you guys this time and I think our listeners will thoroughly enjoy this episode oh I hope so because we did want to be you know us we're very dramatic we wanted to kind of make this episode a bit special so hopefully you guys learn a little bit something more about us individually and as a couple but also about the state of gay relationships in the world because I know a lot of you might not have been exposed to the gays or to a gay couple you might have a gay friend who isn't in a relationship um bear in mind this is just our relationship it's all we can go on but um hopefully you guys been interesting if you liked this one again let us know um, if you want to hear more. We're more than happy to do episodes on queer culture and being queer and coming out of the closet and all that kind of stuff down the line. So if you do want that, do let us know. Um, yeah, no, I thoroughly enjoyed this episode. Just again, if there's anything that you think we said that was wrong, if you want to correct us, please don't hesitate to message us and correct us. I love to be educated. But I thoroughly enjoyed this. Yeah, I did too. Aww. Thank you, baby. I love you, baby. Oh, <laughs> so cute. I know, right? Alright guys, well thank you so much for listening to this episode. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Don't forget to leave us um, a five-star review on please, Apple Podcasts. Please, please, Give please. us a leave subscribe. I know a lot of you are on Spotify, but if you could go onto the Apple Podcast and subscribe as well, just for the crack, it would be really, really appreciated. Yeah. Um, okay, so don't forget to follow us on the social medias. You can see us on <laughs> the social media. The social media. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at generation underscore why though. You can drop us an email at genwhydo at gmail.com. You can also listen to us on the Facebook. Oh, okay. <laughs> Generation Y, though. Mm. All right. Um, thank you so much for listening, guys. Have a good one. See you next time. Thank you, bye. bye. bye.